0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glad you're in the house of the Lord today. You're a guest, we welcome you here. I just want you to get a Bible you need a Bible. Why don't you raise your hands or ushers should gladly get you the Word of God. Go with me to 1 Samuel 30. Again, I welcome all of you here. Ooh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. I've thoroughly enjoyed worshiping with you today. Again, I I pray the things of heaven will erupt in you and not one of us leave here like we came, that God's going to move within us again. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Go with me to 1 Samuel 30. This has been our main text for quite a while, and so we'll begin to hit it again today. I'm going to give you some great biblical truths, so we begin First 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 9. So David went. So David went. Now, I, I highlighted the word went in my Bible. When David went, that means he acted. He obeyed what God said for him to do. And remember, God said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. Now, I want you to think about this just for a little bit here, okay? In this passage, we've studied over and over how David lost everything he had. All his possessions, his livestock, his wives, his children. And he's got word from God and so he's going now. He's obeying what God said. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him. And they came to the brook Besor where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. So there was 200 of them, they're just wore out, they're exhausted. And they stayed behind. Now let me paraphrase a little bit what's going on after this. And so David keeps pursuing and he comes across this Egyptian. And this Egyptian tells David, he said, It was the Malachites who burned Ziklag who took everything you have. That's who it was. And so ultimately King David made a deal with this Egyptian slave. And it was, you lead me to where they're at and I'll spare your life. So we pick up in verse 16, and when he had brought him down, there they were spread out over all the land, and there they were spread out over all the land, literally thousands of Malachites. Now note what they're doing here. And they were eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken. And so David, I believe, he's up on a high peak and he's looking down at this valley and he sees it with all these Amalekites. And guess what they're doing? They are partying at the expense of David. Now, I don't know about you, but if I look in a valley and I see some people that have stolen all my possessions, my wife and my kids, and they're dancing and partying at my expense, guess what starts happening? There's something on the inside of me that begins to boil. It begins to rise up. And so David right here, he's got the DNA of God on him. He is of the tribe of the line of the tribe of Judah. There's something in within him. And he sees all this with his great spoils. So it goes on to say, which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Now I believe what begins to ignite within David is a passion. And passion is an emotion that leads every one of us to action. Now in my own life, when passion is part of the way that I'm drawn to God, it changes everything. Passion changes the way I live. It changes the way I pray. It changes the way I study the word of God. It changes the way I serve and I give. You can always tell a person of passion. I don't know, you watch football today, you'll see some that play with a passion and some that don't. So even within this right here, there's something that reignited the passion of God within him. And I believe that's important for every one of us. And when I live with that passion, you know what it does? I don't just go through the motion. Man, if you're having trouble praising God and worshiping God, ask God to grace you with some passion. Something to stir you back up on the inside. That it's just not playing the game. It's actually I'm living the game. Now, here's where everything shifts with us as human beings and New Testament believers. The rage and the anger that David had against the Amalekites. I can't have that rage and that anger against other people. Now, look with me in the book of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to take a little bit of time here this morning and look at some passages of Scripture. I'm coming back to 1 Samuel 30. It's kind of like Paul Harvey used to say. we got to get back to the rest of the story. <laughs> some of you don't even know who Paul Harvey is, do you? He's a brilliant pastor. <laughs> yeah, he used to live a long time ago. We'll leave it at that. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The Lord Jesus saying in verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Now, when Jesus right here tells us to love our enemies, this is non-negotiable. Jesus sets the bar rather high and he says, love your enemies. Now watch how he begins to describe how we're to love our enemies. And bless those who curse you. And do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now when I read that passage there, a lot of times I want to say, come on Jesus, come on. But it's all non-negotiable. And Jesus would never tell us something that he wouldn't have done, or he would never tell us to do something that we're incapable of doing. i got to have his grace in this area. So when I look at the words he says, bless, do good, and pray, the word bless and the word pray, they have to do with the words out of my mouth. And so when I bless someone, it comes out, Lord, bless them. Be good to them. And even when I pray for them. Now, this can be an incredible act of faith for every one of us. Because there's times in my life, I don't want to bless them. And I don't want to pray good things over them. I'd rather break their leg. You would, Pastor, I would. I have a flesh, okay? But i got to get back over to what the Word of God says here. And what I find in my own life That when I begin to bless people that have wronged me, I I, I pray for those who've hurt me and spitefully used me. How many of you have had a week like that this week? You say, that's me, pastor. I may start out by faith, blessing them and praying for them. But the more I bless them and the more I pray for them, God begins to move within me. Why is this such a big deal? Verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Literally stated, you will be acting as the true children of the Most High. The passage says, or the passion says, that this will reveal your true identity. So again, I can sit here and I can say, I'm a believer, I'm a child of God. But does this look like a believer here in my life? Am I actually obeying this? And he goes on to say, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And so just as God indiscriminately sends rain and sunshine on the just and the unjust, we must indiscriminately give our love and our blessings and our prayers to even ones who hurt us. So now we look at something a little different. I I don't have the opportunity to fight hand-to-hand like David did. So if my enemy isn't other people, then who is my enemy? Look with me in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And let's just let the New Testament teach us some things here today that I believe will help you. Help us understand the things that God puts in our hearts and how he wants us to live. Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Finally, not in conclusion, but for the rest of your life, my brethren. My brethren would be addressed to believers. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Grace me, Father God, to be strong in you and your power. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the deceits, the ambushes of the devil. So the Bible locates who our enemy is. And it's interesting here, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Now, why would you need armor? Because you're going into war. Now, you can read the armor. It's the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. It's the shield of faith, which is the word of God, or the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in prayer. I have weapons that I must choose to put on. He said, put on. Now, what we got to go back and look at again, who was this addressed to? Brethren. It says for believers in Christ Jesus. So, I must understand my weapons and my armor is all through Christ Jesus, but it's aimed against the devil, the enemy. He goes on to say in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, note something right there. He didn't say we don't wrestle. He just said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So who do we wrestle against? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. One translation says the oppressors of the dark world. So literally what he's talking about in verse 12, these are the fallen angels. These are better known as demons again. And so this is who our spiritual battle is against. Now understand the devil's a thief. A thief only wants to steal. That's John 10.10 10, where it references him as a thief. And understand this. The devil is never going to feel sorry for you. The devil is never going to have pity for you. He is merciless. He doesn't know the meaning of remorse. And so we go back and we look. Be strong, be strong. And in his power in verse 10. Verse 11, we're to put on the whole armor. And verse 12, we wrestle. So whether we like it or not, we are all engaged in this spiritual battle if you are born again. None of us are exempt. So I got to get over and I got to begin to learn what my weapons are. And I encourage you, study the rest of that. The word, the name, the blood of Jesus. Revelations 12, 11, we overcome by the blood. Again, uh, uh, the word, the cross. I, I got to find out what my weapons are and I got to stand and begin to use them. Now, go back with me to your left to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and as you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in 1 John 3 verse 8, it says... For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of darkness. One of the reasons that Jesus came to the earth was to destroy the work of darkness. The Amplified says to undo, destroy, to loosen, dissolve the works of the devil that he's done. Now, let me ask you a couple questions here. Has the devil hindered you? Has he harassed you? Has he afflicted you? Has he stolen from you in any area of your life? And if he has, get mad. Not at mankind. Get mad at the devil. Has, has the devil, has he, has he ripped you off in areas of your life? Is he behind areas that there's been negative or destruction in your life? And get mad. Get mad. Something happens when I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. God doesn't hate people, but God does hate evil and sin and the, the darkness. And so I begin to look at this and say, Lord, give me this righteous passion within me, this righteous indignation. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh as humans, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, again, he doesn't say we don't war. He just says we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of the flesh, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, let's define what a stronghold is. One of the best definitions I found was in an Aramaic word for stronghold. It means rebellious castles. For the pulling down of rebellious castles in my life. Anything that tries to go against the things of God. Now let me highlight a little bit the word of meaning with a stronghold. Behind every stronghold is a lie. That we begin to believe a lie and behind every lie is fear. That fear will begin to grip you and behind every fear is a personal bondage. It may locate you. Do, do you live with a lie? A lie that tells you you won't, you can't, you shouldn't have want to be family. Could have, would have, and should have. Do, do you live with a fear of certain things? Do you live in bondage to certain things? Keep reading. Verse 5. Casting down arguments. The word argument here literally means rebellious ideas. I'm to cast down attitudes, fantasies, faulty problems or faulty patterns in my thought life. My opinions, theories, and philosophies. So he tells us, first of all, you're going to have to cast down arguments the arguments are against the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, you got to get it out of your life. And he goes on to say, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, this is pride, this is arrogance. And he says, bring every thought into captivity. When you see the every thought into captivity it's like we are to capture them like prisoners of war. Every thought. Every thought. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, i got to capture it. i got to get a hold of this. Now, this may help you. Every one of us in this room, we're going to have thoughts. Okay? Thoughts are going to come to us. The time the thought becomes a problem is when I allow that thought to take hold in me or grab me. This may help you a little better. I can't keep the birds from flying over my head, but I sure can keep them from nesting in my hair. Okay? So again, thoughts are going to come to me all the time. Let me show this. This may help you too. In Proverbs it says... As a man thinketh, so is he. Better stated, as the mind goes, the man follows. And so let me ask you right what, what is what your thinking about? What, what do you meditate on? Does it line up with the word of God? Again, how is your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Have you been going steady with them? Have you and the devil been romancing? Break up with that cat. He's a dirty old rat. All he want to do is ride your back. He'll get you down, down, down to the ground and treat you just like a dirty old hound. Don't listen to the devil because he's a liar. All he wants to do is try to destroy you. Cast down those thoughts that the devil brings. Use your shield of faith and you'll always win. Don't treat the thought like it never came, but cast it down in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. I would sing that to you, but it would scar you. Again, the, the, the point is this. He says we're to capture every thought. And what am I to do with every thought? Look what he goes on to say. And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And literally the word obedience signifies to hear, to listen, a compliant submission to Jesus and his word. So anytime these thoughts come, and guess what, guys, thoughts are going to come to every one of us. It's not if thoughts come, it's what do I do with the thoughts. So when I begin to entertain thoughts that are not godly, I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going to locate myself, I'm going to tell you stuff, and I've used this illustration with me several times. I've been in stores before, and I've been looking at stuff, and just out of the blue I've had this thought. Just steal it. Just steal it. Well, again, I can't entertain those thoughts. I got to get rid of them. Maybe this one will help you. How many of you in traffic that when it gets really bad have a tendency to get kind of ugly, to get kind of aggressive? Pastor does. How many have ever had someone pull up next to you? Now, we're in church. We're just going to be truthful here, okay? How many have ever had someone pull up to you and give you the middle finger? Pastor, have you had that happen? Oh, yeah. And how many of you have had the thought to just pull back up to them and give them the finger? Thank you for being honest. Again, it's not if thoughts don't come, it's what do I do with the thoughts. And so I I, I got to say, I'm a child of God. I'm a man of God. I'm full of God. I'm full of the life, the ability, the nature. I don't have to go in that direction. But again, I I can't play with this stuff and act like it doesn't affect me. So he gives us incredible insight right here. Again, the weapons that we're all dealing with. And I can guarantee you King David dealt with these things. Now, turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah chapter 51. See, again, you've got to confront bondage, and that's the only way it's broken. So what you begin to see there, and as you're turning to Isaiah 51, the devil tries to change your focus. Any way he can to get you off the things of God and the Word of God. So it's almost like he goes fishing. And he throws that bait out there, and he starts messing with your thought life. And he's trying to get you to grab a hold of that. But man, when I respond back, uh, this is what the Word of God said. Man, I, I, I caused that to, to not come into my life at all. It, it stops it right there. Isaiah 51, verse 21. Therefore, please hear this, you afflicted or you afflicted ones, and are drunk, but not with wine. The message says, you with the splitting headaches... You are nursing the hangovers that didn't come from drinking wine. Thus says your Lord, the Lord your God. Your master, your God has something to say to you. Who pleads the cause of his people. Who takes up his people's case. The new American standard says he contends for his people. The new international version says he defends his his people. The amplified says who pleads the cause of his people. God wants to plead on your behalf. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling or the cup of sin, the dregs of the cup of my fury of my anger. You shall no longer drink or my wrath, but I will put it into the hand of those who afflict you. I will put it in the hands of those who oppress or torment you, who have said to you, Lie down that we may walk over you. Bow down that we may walk over you. And if you have laid your body like the ground and as the street for those who walk over. And so what he's talking about here, it's like you're laid on the ground, you're laid on the street. And your oppressors or your tormentors are saying, you're going to bow to us because we're going to walk all over you. But I'm here to tell you again today... That our God pleads your case and our God never intended for you to be the doormat of the devil. Ever. I thank God for this right here. That I got a God and you got a God that he pleads your case. He defends you. Now, go back with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30 where we begin. And as you're turning there, King David is, he's gone and he saw the Amalekites. And he saw them dancing. And I believe as he scanned that valley, he looked and said, there's my possessions. And I believe he kept scanning and he said, there's my wife and my kids. And I believe he strolls back to his camp where those 400 men are at. And he looks at them and says, I saw your livestock. I saw your donkeys. I saw your camels. I saw your oxen. And then I begin to believe he looked at his men and he said, And I saw your wife. And I saw your wife. And I saw your kids. And I saw your kids. And I saw your kids. Now think about that just for a second. The thief, which is the devil, Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's stolen everything they got. Now you're up on that mountain. And you're looking down in that valley. And not only do you see your possessions. You see your wife. And you see your kids. And the thought of this, it brings a a rage within me. It brings a fight within me. It stirs up a passion within me. And the Malachites don't know this yet, but they messed with the guy who was the son of the living God. They messed with the wrong man. And so he goes back to them and he tells them everything he sees. And we pick up in verse 17. Then David attacked. He attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. 24 hours he attacked. He went after them. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on the camels and they fled. I want you to think about this. There were literally thousands of Amalekites. 400 of them escaped. Remember, David only had 400 men. Understand this. It doesn't matter what the odds look like. If God be before me, if God be before me, everybody else might as well be. And they went in this and thought, it doesn't matter how outnumbered we are. Verse 18. So David recovered all that the Malachites had carried away. And David rescued his wife. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoiled or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. He didn't recover just a little bit or just a smidging. He recovered all. And we still have a God who desires that we recover all. And so as I read this passage, there's something that began to stir within me. And I've said, Lord, stir, stir within me a passion. An incredible passion to live like you desire me to live. Now let me ask you something today. I don't think God wants you to to have your, your life stolen from you, your marriage stolen from you, your kids stolen from you. I don't think he wants your possessions, your finances stolen But even more than that, how many of us in this room, we've had our dreams stolen. You've had your purpose stolen. You've you've had your, your passion stolen. You've had your faith stolen. Your purposes and your calling stolen. And I don't know if this doesn't bother you, but it bothers me. And understand again, our God is the God who says, recover all. Recover all. Why don't you stand up here today? Some of you need to get a little more excited about this. Recover all. Let me highlight something for you. If you've had sickness in your body for a period of time, our God says today's the day we recover all. If you've had a miracle that has been stolen from you, begin, he's a thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, I'm not dead and he hadn't destroyed me, but he sure has stolen from you. He'll rip you off as long as you allow him to rip you off. And so I want you to think just here briefly before we begin to sing. What's been stolen from you? What's been stolen? I I pray there's a righteous passion that rises within you that says, I'm going to fight. I'm a, you're not, you're not going to steal my children. You're not going to steal my grandchildren. You're not going to steal my destiny. You're not going to steal my faith. You're not going to steal my prayer life. My God is the God who still recovers all. And so they're getting ready to sing. And today, we didn't come in here to raise hell. We came in here to raise a hallelujah. To shout unto God. Now, now think about this. When they recovered all, sorry, I'm going to use you again. It wasn't just, oh, I'm, I'm so glad. Can you imagine? They never, some of them never thought they'd see their wives or their children again. Some of them said, I used to wear my grandma's old necklace around. I never thought I'd see that again. And our God has recovered all. I begin to believe they shouted. And they danced and they raised the hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.